0: Yeah, that's something that's something that I scream, you know, from from the rooftops is remain like consistency is key here. And Mm. then once you're consistent and you're not engaging in those power struggles, the power struggles will go away with time. Don't underestimate what your little one can do in the sleep department. Your 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 little one, even if he's never slept through the night in his entire life, there's no reason why he can't learn.
1: Welcome to the Apparently Parent podcast. My name is Iran Katz and I'm a clinical psychologist, a parenting counselor, and also a father. In this show, we combine the art of parenting with the science of psychology. So if you want to understand your children and yourself better, lead your family into calmer waters, and reach the end of the day with a smile on your face, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Iran Katz. Welcome to the 15th episode of the Apparently Parent podcast. What a ride! I I don't know why, but I always like number 15. And to celebrate that number, I've got a really good episode for you, as you could already hear in the intro. Today, I'm talking with Eva Klein. Eva was a lawyer until she had her second child who was really fussy and didn't sleep well. So Eva started to learn about sleep habits and eventually became a sleep consultant and she came here today to talk about the importance of establishing good sleeping habits for the sake of both parent and child. And especially during this time of COVID-19, where many of you are still quarantined in some manner and your kids have no school or no kid in gardens. So without further ado, let's welcome Eva. Eva Klein is a certified infant and child sleep consultant. She is also the founder of My Sleeping Baby and the Sleep Bible program. Her work is focused on helping parents establish healthy sleep habits for their children. And she's coming to us from Toronto, Canada. Eva, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Iran.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure. So a little bit, how how, how is it over there in uh, Toronto, Canada right now?
0: Uh, we're, we're surviving, you know, we're still under, you know, some pretty strict lockdown measures. Um, not so much in terms of leaving the house. Thankfully we can, you know, leave the house and go for bike rides and whatnot, but my three kids are still home. So I know we were talking wow. beforehand about how your kids yeah. in Israel are now back in school and that must be glorious. And I am yeah. salivating <laughs> over the thought of my three children being in school and uh, and daycare right now. And I have no yeah. idea when that's going to happen. And, and actually, literally about five minutes ago, our premier, like the leader of Ontario, just announced that schools will not be reopening this this school year. So this is wow. a five minute ago update. So um, wow. we're, we're surviving. We're surviving. What can I say? Yeah. It's, it's pretty nutty. It's pretty bananas.
1: Yeah. But as, as I've said before, you up you are survivors. You have to survive all this snow and everything. That is true. So you have, yeah. The po- yeah. The
0: polar bears. No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just joking. We have no polar bears yeah. here, but it's, it gets very cold. <laughs> that is true. <laughs>
1: yeah. So here it's like scorching heat wave this week. So... I I wish I had some cold, but anyway, right. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about um, about you know your s- s- your own journey about in- into the world of sleep, sleep habits. I understand that from your website, I learned that you arrived into this world uh, after your own struggles with sleeping and babies and babies not sleeping, etc. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It was totally by accident. So I'm a lawyer by training. If you can, if you can believe it, it's quite the pivot. Um, <laughs> what happened was I went to law school, finished law school, had my first baby. She was one of those really easygoing babies and easygoing kids that just as parents made us look really good those parents. Mm-hmm. It was the kid that didn't require a parenting podcast. How about that? Because <laughs> <laughs> There weren't really any struggles with her. And then a couple of years later, I gave birth to my second baby, another girl. And this mm-hmm. baby had a very different temperament. She was very high needs. She cried a lot. She was very fussy. Um, and, and it wasn't as simple as just making sure that she's fed and that her diaper was changed. There was a lot more that went into ensuring that she was happy and content. And what comes along with having a high needs baby is almost always sleep struggles. Sleep does not come naturally to babies that are more high needs. And so naturally we really struggled. I mean, me in, in particular, I was on maternity leave. And so I was the one waking up with her. And when she was about four months old, she was literally waking every 90 minutes all night wow. long for that pacifier it was it was
1: torture that, that there is was, tough
0: it was absolute full-blown torture and so i had no choice but to crack open all these sleep books figure out What is going on so that I can learn how to sleep again for more than a couple hours? And I managed on my own to make the situation more bearable. It wasn't perfect by any means, but I managed to get myself on my own some three to four hour stretches. And so it was at that moment that I thought to myself, hey, why don't I use up the rest of my maternity leave to launch a side business, get certified to become a sleep consultant. Again, the idea was I was going to go back to my law job. um, Mm -hmm. once my 12 months of maternity leave was up, um, my boss had already allowed me to come back to work part time. And so the idea was, Hey, I can, I can have this, you know, side hustle to bring in some, some extra fun money. And, uh, and so that was exactly what happened, except you know, to make a very long story short my business grew a lot quicker than i thought it would you know i saw that there was a lot of potential because not surprisingly um when parents are exhausted and there is someone out there that can help them solve this problem um they'll they'll hire you right it's yeah. it's it's a yeah. no brainer i mean heck i can tell you i in the thick of getting certified myself to become a sleep consultant my baby regressed terribly. Because remember, I had only managed to make the situation a little bit better. But it wasn't a huge, you know, drastic change. And so I ended up hiring my teacher. It was a no brainer. It was a lot of money, (laughs) um, but (laughs) it was the best money that I had ever spent as a parent. And so as I was growing my business, you know, I saw what kind of demand there was and it got to a point where I was at a fork in the road where I couldn't continue to grow my business while continuing to work my job. There just weren't enough hours in the day. And so as scary as it was for me to take that leap, it was also a very obvious leap that I had to take. And that was to... Um, that was to quit my job and grow my business. And here, here I am. So now I have a full coaching practice where I work with families one-on-one as well as an online coaching program called the sleep Bible. So the sleep Bible is basically a step-by-step online sleep program and community that helps exhausted parents get themselves champion sleepers for life. So the program takes you through step-by-step exactly what you need to do for your baby, for your toddler, for your preschooler. Again, I've got different age ranges, so the information is really customized. And while you're going through the program, there is a members-only Facebook group and community for people to ask questions, get daily feedback from me and from other moms in the group, to uh, get our group coaching calls happening, to be able to get the support that they need to solve their little one sleep problem. So that's how that all works.
1: That's great. And so awesome that you can reach so many, you know, exhausted parents like that and help them, you know, regain this fundamental basic thing that we all need, which is a little bit of sleep.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, I would argue you need a lot of sleep, but <laughs> we all we all need sleep because we're humans. And just because yeah. we're parents, it doesn't mean that sleep suddenly becomes a luxury. Sleep is exactly. absolutely a necessity. And my current fight song, my fight song that has that I've been singing throughout this entire journey of mine as a sleep professional is that when you are a parent of a baby or a young child, you don't have to go through that journey chronically sleep-deprived. You don't. Exactly. Because we know what to do to get our little ones sleeping. It does not have to be part of your day-to-day reality. Unlike our parents and grandparents Mm -hmm. who did not know what to do because nobody knew much about routines and sleep hygiene and schedules and overtiredness and independent sleep skills. People really didn't know much, if anything, about that in previous generations. But now in this generation, we know what to do to get our little one sleeping. And so if this is what you want, if you don't want to be, you know, bed sharing with your little one or walking them to sleep for three hours or waking and waking up with them all night long, you it does not need to be your reality.
1: Yeah, and I would argue as well that uh, an overtired parent who is exhausted is going to be an, an overstretched parent, a stressed parent, and not the best parent for that child in that moment. A hundred percent. So, yeah. A
0: hundred percent. And then of course, when we also look at the effects of sleep deprivation on babies and toddlers and young children, it has the it has the exact same effect, right? Kids that aren't sleeping, um, they're crankier, they're fussier, they're not as happy, they're less easygoing, they're often clingier, you know. Yeah, so it's
1: like this negative feedback loop.
0: A hundred percent. It's uh it's 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 something that doesn't benefit anyone. But then the opposite is true that when a child is sleeping properly at night, allowing the parents to properly sleep at night, everyone wins.
1: So let's just say that for the sake of the example, I'm a dad of, I have one baby, an 18 month old baby, and I've been sleep deprived and my wife has been sleep deprived for quite some time now. And we both exhausted and helpless. And you know, we don't know where to go and what to do. So wh- where do we start with this? How do we approach this uh, situation?
0: Right. It's a great question. And I'll tell you that there are a lot of parents out there that have that are that have very similar sleep struggles. Maybe before COVID-19 hit, they were struggling with sleep mm-hmm. and um, and the effects of this pandemic have thrown their routine completely out of whack. Or maybe their toddler was a great sleeper beforehand and then COVID-19 hit and their routines go out the window and then naturally sleep goes out the window with it. And so I'll, I've had a lot of parents asking me, very similar types of questions, you know, how do I get my toddler sleeping? How do I get him back to sleeping properly so that I can weather this pandemic, not sleep deprived. I can weather this (laughs) pandemic completely well rested. And the reality is that there are multiple pieces of the puzzle to get our little ones sleep maximized. It's not just a matter of, Oh, just do this or just do that. And then stand on your head and then your kid will start sleeping. It's, it's not how it works. But I will tell you that there are some very big fundamental building blocks that need to be in place in order to help you get that consistent sleep day in and day out. And so one building block that, that I'll talk about is your little one's sleep environment. So you want to make sure that your little one's environment is as conducive to good quality sleep as possible. And so what does that mean? We, we got to look at a few things. So I'll start right off the bat. And because I find that this is a very common, um, really, really common mistake that a lot of parents make. And that's that the room during daytime hours in particular is too light. You want your little one's room to be very dark during daytime hours because if there's too much light coming into the room, it's going to make it much harder for your little one to fall asleep and stay asleep during nap time. And if your little one Mm -hmm. is young enough and you know, you have an 18 month old who still needs to be napping, then Mm -hmm. you need that proper nap down pat. Otherwise they're going to be overtired. And if they're overtired, they're not going to sleep well at night. So it can have a a bit of a domino effect on things if the room is too light. Um, the other, the, the other reason why it's so unbelievably important to have heavy duty blackout lines and make sure the room is super dark during daytime hours is because I mean, here in Toronto, we're, we're in the spring right now heading into summer months where the sun is setting very, very late. And so if you want your little one going down easily for the night around 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock when the sun is still shining, it is going to be significantly harder for her to be able to fall asleep nicely with all that natural light coming in we don't want all this light suppressing your little one's production of melatonin which is that sleepy Mm -hmm. hormone and so step number one with regards to the sleep environment is if you haven't already done so get some heavy duty blackout lines you oftentimes need two blackout products like a, a curtain as well as a shade of some kind um here in toronto we're still you know in the thick of this pandemic so you might not want to head to Home Depot, but maybe you might want to just put some garbage bags up, which, you know, I get are not so aesthetically pleasing, but um, it's an easy, cheap, Quick way to be able to get your little one's room really, really dark. So that's one aspect of the sleep environment. Um, you want to make sure that your little one is dressed appropriately for the temperature in their room. So a lot of people think that now that we're heading into the summer months, that when they go to bed, they have to be wearing, you know, shorts and t-shirts because it's the summertime. When the mm-hmm. reality is that It doesn't really matter what the temperature is outside. We have to make sure that they're dressed appropriately for the temperature inside. So, um, do you guys use Celsius in terms of temperature in Israel? Okay. As you here. Okay, okay. So anyone who's American, you'll just have to, you know, convert this, (laughs) convert the Celsius (laughs) uh measurements because I don't know Fahrenheit either. Um, if the room is let's say 21 degrees Celsius, right? That's that's on the cool side. It's a nice comfortable temperature, but it's on the cool side. And so you're going to want to make sure that your little one is in, you know, a a long sleeve footed pajama with probably if they're still sleeping in a crib, a nice thick sleep sack on top. If they're if they are waking up at night, we want to make sure that they're they're not waking up cold or uncomfortable. But then on the flip side, if the room is warmer, let's say, you know, 24, 25 degrees, then you'll obviously want a sleep sack that's much, much thinner. And uh, and and then that's when the shorts and t-shirt pajama is going to be much more appropriate. Now, given that we're specifically focusing on the toddlers and the preschoolers, I wanna shout something from the rooftop here. And that is as follows. Don't rush to get your toddler into a bed. I repeat, <laughs> do not okay. rush getting your toddler into a bed because getting your most, most children under the age of three are just not mature enough to be able to handle the freedom offered by a bed. And the reality is that when a child is transitioned prematurely to a bed before they are developmentally ready for it, there is a very high likelihood that your little one is just going to get out of bed and open the door and leave the room as he pleases just because he can, right? That's why kids generally sleeping sleep they sleep so much better in in cribs because the crib offers that physical boundary that a lot of these toddlers need that who because let's face it like toddlers they lack impulse control it's not their strong yeah. suit it's a it's a <laughs> we're going to give them a needs improvement in that department right now and that's okay yeah. because that's not what a 2-year-old specialty is their specialty is being cute you know not not necessarily listening to rules and so oftentimes I see that there is this huge rush to get these young two-year-olds into a bed, maybe because there's another baby on the way, maybe because they're not sleeping so well in the crib. And so the parent thinks, oh, maybe it's time to get yeah, the them into is a bed. Be yeah, the bed's going to magically make them sleep better. <laughs> and I can tell you if there's another baby on the way and you've got a two-year-old at home, just get a second crib. I promise you, you can just go to Ikea, buy you know a cheap Ikea crib for $80, $90 and just be done with it and not have to worry about your toddler's sleep falling apart while you also have a newborn at home. And then if your toddler isn't sleeping well and he happens to be sleeping in a crib, it's not the crib's fault. It's not because of the crib <laughs> and the bed is likely just going to make whatever sleep problems that you currently have worse. And so I would strongly recommend tackling those sleep issues in that crib because getting them into a bed too early, it just often leads to disaster. So that's step number one is, you know, getting, getting that sleep environment down pat. How old did you say that your, your younger one was?
1: My young my younger one is my daughter, she's two and a half now. She's two
0: and a half. Is she still on a yeah. crib? No. <laughs> oh, was <laughs> she, she jumping? Her to a bed. Was she jumping out?
1: Um she was at first and she s- does that sometimes still, but
0: you Okay. Know, I was going to say that's the one exception is obviously if your kid is, you know, a future circus performer and can't be safely contained in the crib, then of course you have no choice but to get them into a bed. But it's a real plan B, you know, plan A is to keep your little one in a crib for as long as you feasibly can.
1: I'm trying to remember when we moved our uh, older one. Um, my our boy, he's six and a half, and I don't remember what age he was. But I distinctly remember the joy he had when we we changed his crib into a bed. Yeah, it was it was like this huge revelation that whoa, I can go into the bed and out of the bed w- whenever I want. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, it's so exciting. And maybe, maybe it just so happens that when you transitioned him, he was ready for it.
1: Yeah. I think he was,
0: (laughs) he probably didn't,
1: he didn't exploit that too much.
0: Right. Fantastic. So it worked out versus I can tell you that my, my middle child. So the baby that got me into this business, she was that bad of a sleeper. Um, Mm -hmm. she stayed in a crib until her fourth birthday, Wow. her fourth birthday, because, um, Listen, my my oldest was in a, was in a bed before she turned three. You know, she was she was ready. But this child, I knew, um, was that child that thankfully was not jumping out of the crib and really needed that physical boundary. It would not have been good <laughs> having her in a bed any earlier than that. And there's there's nothing wrong with keeping you know your. Spunky spirited child in a crib for, you know, as long as you can to avoid all kinds of unnecessary nighttime battles.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So that's, that's, that's
1: all great tips.
0: Yeah, so that's building block, you know, number one is the, the sleep environment. And by the way, I'll just also mention I'm a huge fan of white noise machines. Um, white noise is fantastic because it drowns out background noise, it creates a very calming, soothing sleep environment. I mean, I know that I've had a lot of families recently or over the last couple months buy white noise machines for their babies and toddlers, because now that they've got their older ones home from school and there's all this extra background noise at home, yeah. um, the white noise is really a savior for their, their babies and, and toddlers naps from getting interrupted. So huge, huge fan of white noise. But anyways, that's, that's the, the sleep environment piece. So now let's move on to the, the second building block, And we'll talk about implementing a consistent, fun, relaxing, but also firm bedtime routine. So, you know, a lot of families that I've worked with, especially, you know, since COVID-19 hit, have really struggled with bedtime battles. Um, all of a sudden, you know, they used to go to sleep nicely, and now they're not going to bed so nicely anymore. Or maybe bedtime was never great to begin with, and COVID-19 did not help the situation. So, you know, I'll tell you that even during a pandemic, kids need routine. They 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 always need routine. They always need structure, especially
1: in a pandemic. I would uh, say,
0: uh, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It's like all the more so, and yeah. and you see, unfortunately, I think a lot of parents, you know, they they loosened up. The routine some more. And mm-hmm. then the problem with that type of scenario is because, because kids always need some kind of routine and structure and predictability, when they feel the boundaries loosening up, they're gonna start battling you to figure out where is this new boundary? Because I they need the boundary, they just need to know what that looks like. And that's gonna end up creating all kinds of battles in the thick of things, which doesn't benefit anybody. And so take any guilt that you might have around having a relaxing yet firm bedtime routine and just Check it out the window because I can tell you that your child benefits from this just as much as you do. So, you don't want to be, you know, rushing your kid through a quick eight minute long routine and then off to bed. You know, you want to make sure that your child's got some time to wind down, that you've got a specific sequence of events that happens in, you know, more or less the same order every single time. You know, your kid takes a bath and then you get into pajamas and then you read the bedtime stories and sing a good night song. And then they go to bed, you know, something like that. And you want to be sticking with that to the T so that your child knows what's going to happen next. And their bodies are cued that sleep time is coming. Now, a lot of people will say to me, but... Eva during story time, no matter what it takes forever, because I read two stories and then he wants a third and then he wants a fourth and then he wants a fifth and, and it just goes on forever and ever and ever. And then he throws a temper tantrum because he wants a fifth book. And then I eventually give it, and then he temper tantrums again for a sixth book. And so what I would suggest in this type of scenario is have a set number of books that you are offering you know choose a number whatever number you feel mm-hmm. fine with you know two books three whatever, books, works whatever it you. is and then stick to it like glue do not veer mm-hmm. from this and then they'll say but then my child's gonna throw a temper tantrum and then he's gonna scream and then my results and my response is okay and so your child yeah, screams exactly so 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 new. No. so so what <laughs> so what are we doing <laughs> um So what's your point, you know, in in like a sarcastic way when when really, you know, what I'm trying to say is, yeah, you're absolutely right. Your kid is going to push back because maybe up until now you've allowed this song and dance to happen where there's this massive battle power struggle happening around story time again i'm just using stories a, as an example but this can easily apply to the time that you spend in the bath to um the the number of bedtime songs that you sing to i mean who knows you know how many times you use yeah, the, it, the it toilet. applies to
1: everything that you put a cap on
0: Yes, 100%. But I can tell you that if day in and day out, you stick to your two-story rule, your three-story rule, and then you just go on with your routine, the 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 battle around that will stop because your child will learn exactly what to expect. And they'll learn day in and day out that begging for a fourth, fifth, sixth story is not worth it, but only if you're consistent. It's only going to work if you're consistent. If you, you know, if you let in even once, you know, maybe once a week, the, you, you answer the temper tantrum and you give in and read, you know, four extra books that is going to arm your child for much more of this. You just lost the battle. A hundred percent. And it's
1: consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say that consistency is, is crucial. It's the key.
0: It really is the key. Otherwise, the message is going to get lost. But I can guarantee you that even with the most, you know, high needs, you know, even with the most, um, the most strong willed children out there, yes, they might give you a run for your money in the thick of things while you are implementing these boundaries. Even the most strong willed child is going to get used to this new routine and then they're going to really end up embracing it. Uh, just like all kids do, because having that predictability down pat, it makes children feel secure. It makes them know, okay, someone's looking out for me. I know what to expect. I makes them feel safe and it's exactly what they need. And so don't feel any guilt around the unavoidable tantrums that you might get while you're in the thick of implementing that consistency.
1: So if we, we are speaking of routines, Let's talk a little bit about this situation we were in with COVID-19. And as I shared with you before, here in Israel, schools are starting to come back and some kindergartens as well. The older children um, are still at home And um, in North America and in Canada. I you know that you're still homebound. But how are parents can help their children realign to going back to the old routine of having to get up? In the morning, and some parents, I'm sure, have changed their bed times. You know, giving up on some some of those boundaries. So, what can we we do now to you know? put things back to normal when we can do that?
0: Right. No, it's a great question. And I would say, regardless of whether or not the child is going back to school right now, or, you know, perhaps you're listening from Toronto, where you know that your child's not going back to school (laughs) school this year, because you just heard the announcement 10 minutes ago, I will still say that your, your child will really benefit from having a consistent bedtime and a consistent wake time. And so if they're going back to school, um, if you're lucky enough to live in Israel where they're going back to school or they're already back in school and they've been going to bed later and waking up later, my biggest piece of advice would be to start waking your child up earlier and earlier every day to get them back onto their school schedule. So, if they're usually waking up for the day at eight, if they've been waking up for the day at eight thirty and going to bed for eight thirty or nine o'clock because they haven't had school the next day, and that schedule works for you, by the way, that's fine. I I don't think there is any problem when you are on either summer vacation or COVID nineteen vacation, whatever the heck you whatever the heck you want to call it. As long as there is consistency, if the child's schedule is just shifted, uh, you know, an hour or two later. I think it's totally fine, totally, totally fine. I've had a lot of parents reaching out to be here that, you know, they think that there's something inherently bad about their child, their three-year-old going to bed for 9 p.m. and sleeping until 9 a.m. the next day. I don't believe that there is. But when that three-year-old has to go back to school, that schedule is going to no longer work. And so if that's you, if that's your situation right now, then I would say, okay, you know what? Rather than letting your child sleep in until nine, wake them up for 8.30, right? So 30 minutes earlier than usual, which is then going to allow their bedtime to get bumped earlier to 8.30 p.m. Maybe have that for a couple days, and then a couple days later, wake the child up for 8.00. And then allow the bedtime to get bumped earlier till eight and then kind of continue to do that until you get to whatever time it is your child has to wake up 6.30, seven o'clock. I guess it obviously depends, but I would just bump the schedule back earlier and earlier by 15 to 30 minute increments until the child is waking up when they need to be waking up to get to school on time.
1: Okay. And, and from your experience, how, you know, how, if a new, like kind of a date where I want to reach with the, you know, the ability to wake up on time, how long does usually, does it usually take? It's a matter of, I I know it's subjective for every child, but it's, it's, it's a couple of days thing. It's a couple of weeks.
0: Um, It's a good question. It really depends on how far off the child's, summer slash pandemic schedule <laughs> has been from their school schedule. So if they're only, if they're on, if their entire, if their current schedule is an hour later than it usually is, then maybe it'll take a couple days to just get the child waking up earlier and going to sleep earlier. But if the child is usually up for the day at seven and hasn't been waking up until nine thirty or 10 o'clock and hasn't been going to bed until nine 30, 10 o'clock, you know, I would give the child a solid week or so um, if not mm-hmm. longer, potentially to really um, readjust their biological clock and get used to this earlier schedule.
1: So, is there anything else that we can do to help our children and ourselves realign back to to no- normalcy
0: in terms of in terms of schedules? Well, I'll tell you that one um, one. Really easy trick, um, that I tell people, and this honestly applies to, I mean, back, back in the day when we all used to be able to travel <laughs> and we would be able to go on vacations to different, you know, different countries with time changes. Um, and, and I think this is on this type of scenario is no different. And that is to use natural light, uh, expose yourself to natural light to help your biological clock adjust to this new schedule that you're on. So again, if your little one is waking up for the day at, you know, 930 in the morning, and you need him up for the day now at seven, um, it's important to not only be shifting that schedule, you know, earlier and earlier, but to help the process along by exposing your little one to as much natural light as possible during those morning hours so that your little mm-hmm. one's body learns that it is time to wake up that eight o'clock in the morning is no longer nighttime. So that, that's a really useful and free tool. Sunlight is free. <laughs> so uh, as long as it's not raining out, you, that's definitely something that I would encourage people to do
1: yeah or scorching hot in 40 degrees like we have here today
0: yeah so there's no shortage of natural sunlight in israel right now is what
1: you're saying no not not at all even too much you can get some
0: oh my gosh no it's okay i'm 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 a redhead with pasty white skin so i've we've got enough sunlight for me for the next year or so we're good (laughs) But, you know, I'll tell you the third and and, and very important building block for mm-hmm. ensuring that your little one's sleep is maximized in that you use address this to get your little one sleeping who was never a good sleeper or you, you know, fix your little one's sleep bedtime and nighttime battles that you've been having. What's so beyond crucial is to be teaching your little one how to fall asleep independently. Um, From a sleep science standpoint, we expect our sleep environments to remain the same throughout the night. And so if we are falling, if a child is falling asleep um, with a parent right next to them, um, so, you know, maybe the parent is lying in bed with them until they fall asleep. The problem Mm -hmm. with that scenario is from a sleep science standpoint, there's nothing stopping the child from waking up. Not because they're hungry, not because they had a nightmare, not because there's something wrong, but because the parents is no longer there and how they fell asleep initially is not what the room looks like at two o'clock in the morning when they're waking up. And so one of two things is going to happen in that scenario. Either they're going to call out for you or they're going to take matters into their own hands if they're in a bed and just come and find you themselves. (laughs) And so... If you don't want that, those night wakings happening, being able to put your little one in their crib or in their bed, tuck them in, say goodnight and leave the room is unbelievably crucial here. Otherwise, there really is nothing stopping your child from waking up. Who knows how many times throughout the nights just because they need you to come and recreate those conditions for you to be able to go back to sleep. And so a lot of people will then ask me, well, then Eva, how, what I can't, I've never put my little one down awake in his crib in his entire life. He's always fallen asleep in my arms or he's fallen asleep with a bottle or I'm still nursing him to sleep or I lie in his bed. And if I don't do any of these things, then he's going to scream his brains off. And, you know, he's a toddler now. I can't just let him cry it out because he's going to scream for hours. And so, you know, what do I do? And so generally speaking, in that type of scenario, that this is where a gradual withdrawal method would come in. So in a nutshell, what does that mean? Rather than you rocking your little one or holding your little one or lying in your little one's bed, you would start off sitting next to them in their bed or in their crib until they fall asleep. And then every three days, you would move yourself further and further away, so that they become more and more independent and become less and less reliant on you and your presence as a means of, you know, falling asleep and falling back to sleep. So you know, this way, you can still be there in a supportive way. But at the same time, be able to get yourself some be able to maximize your little one's sleep.
1: Yeah, so and this is really, really important to, to do it gradually. Because I think some parents would, would try to do it too quickly or, you know, they will, be, they, they will fall into one 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 of two sides. Either I can't just put him down, waking awake in, in, in the crib and expect him to fall asleep, just like that, and, you know, give up on that. And, and the other side, the other our extreme side is, you know, just put the child down and let him cry himself to sleep or whatever, which I, I mm-hmm. really don't condone. So you right. have to find a middle way and you have to do it gradually, both for yes. the child's sake, of course, and also for you. Because, yes. you know, you can have all this guilt, etc. But if you know you, you have a plan and you you know you, you have this support that I, I bet people get in, in, in your group, for example, it's so crucial for you to you know be able to, to, to be there long enough and to feel good about what you're doing and that you're doing the right thing for for both you and your child?
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, I'll tell you that the most important factor with any sleep plan that I put together for any family that I'm working with is to ensure that whatever we're doing is something that the parent feels, feels comfortable with. Because if the parent doesn't feel comfortable and there's this, god awful feeling in the pit of their stomach like I just don't like the sound of this I just don't like the feel of it there is a very Mm -hmm. high likelihood that they're not going to be consistent and if they're not going to be consistent it's not going to work and it's not going to get you anywhere and yes does this type of approach take a little bit longer of course it does but i would much rather someone take a a slight detour that's going to get you to the exact same endpoint and it's something that you can feel good about you can feel positive about that yes even though your child is going to be upset that you're no longer for example rocking him to sleep you're still Able to be there supporting him throughout the process. You know, you can talk to him. You can pick him up if he escalates. You can, you know, give him a quick back rub. Like you can still be there and support him while at the same time remaining firm around these new boundaries that you've introduced.
1: Yeah, that's that. That's great. So, is there anything else that you wanted to add about those building blocks that you shared with us?
0: One thing that I that I learned a while ago in a, in a, in a parenting class that, that I took for, for kids, you know, young, young children in this age range, and which I think eliminates so much guilt around introducing boundaries and remaining consistent and, and, you know, recognizing that your child might be upset when you've introduced a boundary that you know is a healthy one, but they don't quite understand that. And that is that, you know, our job as parents is not to make sure that our kids are happy 24 hours a day 7 days a week. It's not it's not possible and and it's not even necessarily ideal. And so what what I what I tell parents is, you know, our goal is to make sure that we're abiding by what's famously known as the 80/20 rule. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, 80% of our interactions with our young children should be positive, right? And when I say positive, I don't necessarily mean getting on the floor and playing Legos for three hours. You know, that's that's not, yes, that is positive, but it's not the only definition of positive. You know, your child's asking you for a drink of water and you filling up their cup and giving it to them. That's a neutral interaction. It's positive. Mm-hmm. But then we need that 20%. The child needs that 20% for loving boundaries, loving rules, you know, the discipline, consistency, etc. And so as long as you've got the 80-20 rule down pat, and you're not constantly implementing rules and boundaries and discipline all day long, then Mm -hmm. you 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 don't have to feel guilty about remaining firm around sleep. You know, you just maybe it means that you've got to let something else go. You know, maybe you've been, maybe you've been, you know, coming down hard on your kids to like always clean up their toys after they're done. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it throughout the day, okay, you know what, if I'm going to be really, uh, if I'm going to really be coming down and introducing some new boundaries around bedtime and around sleep time, while I'm also implementing all these new boundaries around toys, okay, maybe the any 8020 scale is gonna get a little bit out of whack. And so if that's the case, then maybe I'm just gonna let the toys I'll let I'll let the toys slide for now while I focus, you know, on sleep. And so as mm-hmm. long as you've got the scale, you know, tipped in your favor, just remember that your your kids The 20% is the, is the maximum, but it's also the minimum, you know, it's, it's really what these kids need from us. And so just let that parent guilt go completely out the window. If that's what you are worried about, because it's, it's those routines and boundaries that really make kids feel safe.
1: Yeah. And I I just want to add that, you know, the the 20% of, you know, boundaries and discipline, it can be done in a and should be done in a positive way it's not positive versus negative it's like it's like being positive and disciplinary disciplinary uh, uh, combined because you can do that with no drama with no uh, negative affect uh, and and it can be done and and children thrive off that they need that they really really do
0: Right. 100%. But, you know, if let's say you've decided, okay, my kid wants 25 books before bedtime and I've had it, I'm going to cut down to three, right you can do so in a really loving manner and the child might still throw a temper tantrum at first right of and <laughs> and that's okay you know you can be there yeah. to support your child like i understand i know that you're sad i know you know you're it's okay you know we're here you'll be able to read more books tomorrow let's now go brush our teeth
1: yeah actually i think one of the most important things that i talk about with parents that i try to teach we are these podcast and other places is is a way to weather this uh, situation that you know your child is having this tantrum because he or she really really wants something right now but you know when when you're in this position that you know where you want to go as a parent you know what's right uh, for your values for your own sanity for your own life and and you have this clear path you can weather the storm and yeah you you will stick to your ground, and you know, three books are three books, and it's okay. He's yeah. going to have the tantrum because he's a child, and he has the brain of a child, etc. It's all fine if you know how to handle this situation without being uh, guilt ridden and etc. You you're going to do so much better.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah, that's something. That's something that I scream. You know, from from the rooftops is. Remain like consistency is key here. And Mm. then once you're consistent and you're not engaging in those power struggles, the power struggles will go away with time.
1: Exactly. They will melt away.
0: A hundred percent. So don't underestimate what your little one can do in the sleep department. Your 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 little one, even if he's never slept through the night in his entire life, there's no reason why he can't learn with the right plan in place and with, with enough consistency with that plan.
1: Yeah. Awesome. That's great. So I think that's, that's kind of a wrap for now. I think this has really been really really helpful for uh for parents all around and having these building blocks that you share with us with uh, really really good guidelines of what can you do and how can you start um you know implementing things right now in 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 the middle of the pandemic and uh, etc i i loved the garbage bag idea mm-hmm. and <laughs> which is crafty and just tell us if you know parents want to find you online and learn more about what you do where where should they go
0: yeah they can head to my website at mysleepingbaby.com and you can find me there
1: okay so mysleepingbaby.com this is where you can find Eva Klein and have all your sleep habits and questions answered
0: perfect yeah that's me.
1: <laughs> so um, I want to thank you so much for uh, being here today. And I hope I'm sorry for you that you're not, ha- you kids are not ha- going back to school for so long. <sighs> I really hope you're going <laughs> to, you're gonna. I know you. You're gonna survive. You're gonna be. Pray for me. Be Just fine. Yeah. Just, just
0: pray for us <laughs> yeah. here in North America, where school is yeah. not reopening. <laughs> we can use all the prayers we can get. <laughs>
1: yeah, we'll come from the other side of this uh, stronger and better, hopefully.
0: Yep that that is the hope for sure. Thank you <laughs> so much for having me, Ren.
1: Thank you. Okay. So that was my conversation with Eva Klein, and I think it was a really, really good one, an important one, because there's so much that we can take from it. And I, I just want to repeat that very crucial point about consistency, because in the end of the day, being a confident, positive and committed parent is really about being consistent, even beyond the whole issue of sleep. It's about knowing your values as a parent and knowing where you want to go and being able to go there, even if it means having to face some hard feelings or thoughts along the way. As long as you keep a positive mindset and a positive approach to, towards your child and you're being consistent, you're good to go. So that's it for this episode. I want to thank you so much for listening to, to the Parent Parent podcast. It really means a lot to me to know that you're listening. If you Enjoy this show. Let me know. Come to my Instagram at apparentlyparent and send me a direct message. I answer all my all those messages. I really enjoy having these conversations. And if you enjoy this, if you thought that was helpful, if you know some parent who could use that knowledge about sleep habits, send that episode towards their way or share it on your social media. And if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, do so on whichever platform that you listen to your podcasts on so you will never miss another episode. Next week, we're going to have a sweet 16 birthday because it's going to be the 16th episode of the Apparently Pan Podcast, and it's going to be a short episode with a quick nifty little trick that will help you get more cooperation from your child. So enjoy the rest of your week, and I will see you in the the next episode. Bye-bye.